0: And now, here's Matt Mosley. it is, Matt Mosley. The Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. John Machota joining us now from The Athletic. And he's a man who loves a good uh, seven-round mock. He's looked at this Cowboys pick from every which way. And uh, he's got a lot of different models that he's looking at. John, it's great to have you. I will uh, let you know uh, that... uh, In Waco right now, the Baylor campus, uh, as of about uh, 15 minutes ago, an issue, uh, tornado warning was put out, and it was a seek shelter immediately. And, John, I have uh, sought shelter in the world-famous Baylor Club, uh, which is part of McLean Stadium. I feel like a stadium might be a pretty safe place to be, so I've just continued broadcasting. And a lot of people were were going for safer ground, John. Earlier, and I just kind of stayed put, kept talking. Uh, no, almost, that's my <laughs> choice. <laughs> almost felt like a Titanic moment. You know, you saw, you heard those stories of the, you know, people still playing music and stuff as the <laughs> as the ship went down. But um, still getting after it. Uh, are you? Um, I, I, I was kind of thinking. I was like, I wonder if I get John on the. The day of the draft, because the Cowboys won't pick it. But I mean, you'll be doing. I mean, tom- tomorrow it's kind of the calm before the storm. But I thought today would be a day to kind of pick your brain and think. Now, before we get into the Cowboys, are you? Um, what are you kind of like a lot of people? Does this thing feel extremely unpredictable to you? And and this C.J. Stroud story. Are you? Is that the one? Uh, that you've got your uh, eyes on the most as you uh, as we get ready to cover this draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, the quarterbacks I feel like drive the majority of interest. Yeah. Um, if, if we're not talking about specific teams, so yeah, of course that that's high up there. I just, you know, I feel like when anybody talks about the draft, whether it be back in you know December or January, when teams start, you know, it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. You know, that becomes the focus if you cover one of those teams. Hey, you know, if we need a quarterback, whatever, but I just have always had my doubts on when, when some of those first mock drafts come out, they'll just have like four quarterbacks going in the top five picks. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I mean, maybe, but there's always a chance that only one or two quarterbacks go that high. And so Stroud is interesting to me, you know, Will Levis, I, I've just never been blown away with him at Kentucky. And then Anthony Richardson at Florida, I, I've seen him play several times and I get that he has all the intangibles and everything like that, but I, I don't see this can't miss top five pick guy. And so, if all of a sudden the draft happens and those all those quarterbacks aren't going early, I think it just changes up everything because then you have teams up there that you thought were going to take a quarterback like the Texans, who all of a sudden let's say they go for Will Anderson, um, and it just changes everything. Not only uh, you know in that top ten, but even for a team like the Cowboys, you just never know. Like they don't need a quarterback, so they want as many quarterbacks to go as possible up there. But mm-hmm. the thing with Stroud is, yeah, that I understand like the testing scores weren't great and you know people will say he played with great receivers at Ohio State that maybe they looked made him look better than he was and then obviously there's the you know has any quarterback ever even played well in the NFL from Ohio State so all of that's working against him but I still find it hard to believe he doesn't go in the top 10.
0: Yeah it is I mean you got some pretty good tape on him Uh, you heard order out there asking about that S2 uh, group that cognitive uh, testing and, um, and, John, that's an interesting deal uh, where apparently the uh, Alabama quarterback scored extremely high, like a 98%, and uh, reportedly from Bob McGinn, uh, Stroud. But, it, it, you know, it, isn't it funny that, that all, all those years the Wonderlick test have leaked out, and that became a huge story. You know, uh, some of those combines, I think our buddy Vince Young m- might have had uh, some struggles in that area. And, uh, and now it's this S2 thing, and I think people are still trying to get their arms around whatever that is. And then, John, uh, Jerry, and Steven and the gang just basically uh, said, yeah, we had these guys out doing some projects for us. I mean, they, the Cowboys not only subscribed to it, but, like, they've had, the, they've had this S2 group on campus, it seems.
1: You know what's interesting about that? Because when you talk about the Wonderlick because it was for so many years, those scores would get leaked, and it would be a big yeah. deal, particularly for the quarterbacks. But, man, I will never forget 2012 because it was the second draft I covered um, for the, covering the Cowboys. And when they traded up to take Morris Claiborne, Morris Claiborne had one of the worst wonderlic scores ever. And they never really talked to Morris Claiborne. They didn't have him in as a 30 visit. And they, they traded, you know, multiple picks to come up and get him. And then obviously that thing didn't work out. So I will always think of that with the wonder lick. Now this S2 was supposedly, you know, it's not the same deal. It's a little bit different. Uh, It's a computer program and it basically breaks down, uh, you know, how quickly you process information, which obviously very important uh, for a quarterback. And I don't think like with a CJ Stroud, I would sit there and say, Oh, well I can't even take him in the first round because I have seen that, but there has to be some red flags when the score is just so much worse than everyone else. Now, I don't know how you process that in terms of, you know, other research you do on him and, and things like that. But, I mean, if you're taking a quarterback and you have a team in the top five, I mean, any one of those little things I can see scaring you off because it's such a big investment. Uh, I mean, like, like for example, the Panthers, everything they traded to get up to that number one overall pick, that's the type of thing that I could see them being like, all right, well, we can't go in. We have to hit on this pick. We, we, we traded everything to get up here and get this number one pick. And so, you know, I know publicly – teams aren't going to talk about that but privately i bet you that thing does like things like that do factor in with
0: teams yeah and uh boy we always remember mo claiborne um and what did mo say his explanation was he he was either like tired or something or just didn't care he blew off the wonder lick i think that's what i've said about some of my test scores over the years i just didn't really try and uh but 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 mo claiborne that you're right that uh that may have been a red flag they should have paid attention to, and that ended up being a pretty big bust. Uh, talking to John Machoda of the uh, of the Athletic as we get ready for tomorrow night's draft in Kansas City. John, have you? I know you like covering these things from the Star, but since you've seen it go to Chicago and and now to Kansas City and some of these other places, is there a part of you that would like to? To get out there among the people, I mean, I would say that I don't think the NFL knew what it what it had. You know what I mean? It, it, it knew the draft had already become huge, but I think there were a lot of us who thought, well, let's just keep doing it in New York. That's fun. Radio City Music Hall is a cool place. Um, why would you ever move it? And they move it now, and it's become monstrous. Have you um, Have you thought about ever lobbying to to go to the site or do you like being around jerry and steven too much to to do something like that
1: so i think it's a great thing for the fans especially when it goes to like a kansas city or detroit that typically isn't getting events like that and i know fans love it i know my friends that love you know following whatever nfl teams they like they really like that idea and and i get that whole aspect of it from a coverage standpoint the only time that i went off campus was in 2016 you know they had the top five pick with Zeke It was in Chicago um today to be honest with you is the best day it's that Wednesday before um because they give you especially if you're covering a team that has a top five pick they give you probably about a half hour 45 minutes to get as many players as you want that are at the actual draft and interview them so I just remember I mean I probably talked to I was in a group that talked to Zeke for about 20 minutes talked to Jalen Ramsey for about 20 minutes and then uh, Joey Bosa for about 20 minutes, so that was the best part. But actually, when the draft happens, it's the worst spot to be for covering it because, like, they're right after like Zeke got picked, they're giving him the conference call with the um, with the with the Cowboys.com radio broadcast. Then they're giving him on the conference call with all the writers that cover the team. Yeah. And um, and then and then, uh, then he's doing some local TV stuff, and then he's doing some other things like he was signing autographs for like Panini on, on like cards and things like that. So long story short, we did not actually in Chicago talk to Zeke until they were on like maybe pick 2024, somewhere in there. And so I was relying on, because I was there with the morning news, so I was relying on like David Moore and Brandon George to send me some stuff because they had already talked to Zeke before we did. And then we're asking Zeke when we get him some of the same questions they already answered. So he's not loving, loving that whole process. And then on top of it at that time, then you're starting to hear, hey, the Cowboys are, are trying to trade back into the first round because they're interested in Paxton Lynch. And so being on a newspaper deadline and all that, like I thought I would enjoy it a lot more than I, than I did. And, and so I, I don't know there were many assignments that I was more happy with when they were just over than actually being there. Because you, could, you can get so much more information just being at the star. Because right when the pick's over, conference call. Sometimes they'll give you the position coach. And then after the first round's over, they're giving you Jerry and Steven and the coach and stuff like that. So for me personally, from a coverage standpoint, the actual day of the draft um, wasn't wasn't very uh, wasn't very productive. But I will say this: I, while, I was, while you were talking about that, I had to look it up real quick. All right, this is Mo Claiborne's quote. He said, "I looked on the test, and there wasn't there wasn't anything on the test that, about football, so I pretty much blew the test off." <laughs> so yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: That's good. That's good, quick research. I think you ought to put that up on Twitter. Just say, that, say, I just remembered something. Say, Stroud, Stroud should go ahead and use that one. Just go, ah, you know, nothing on this S2. There's nothing about football. I just blew it off. I think that's the way he should go. Now, I've been monitoring John this, uh, the mock drafts uh, simulator at the Pro Football Network, and boy, you tap into all that and. Uh, and Dane Brugler, I mean, he's a big name kind of scout slash, you know, draft analyst sort of guy, and and we've kind of known about Dane for years. I can't even remember. Maybe he used to do some stuff with us at the Morning News, but uh, Dane's name has really emerged over the years when it has to do with the uh, the draft. And and I'm, I am interested in this uh, this kind of round one. Now you've been over this, and you've you've. You know, put out a lot of the guys that uh, uh, who you could take there, and I find this guy interesting. Uh, the tight end out of Notre Dame is someone that was coming up in some of y'all simulators and things that you were doing. Um, what what is it about that player? And obviously, I mean, we you know, we were talking to uh, Mike McCarthy the other day about the fact that he hadn't taken a tight end or safety at Green Bay in the first two rounds, like throughout his career there. So, but the the Cowboys certainly could use help at tight end. What is it about that player from Notre Dame that uh, has kind of grabbed your attention, and why do you think he'd be a good fit for the Cowboys?
1: Well, there's just been a lot of, you know, talk, rumblings, whatever you want to call it around here, that he's a player that they like a lot. So that, Uh that factors in. Them losing Dalton Schultz factors it in, and then the fact that, he's probably the most complete safest of the tight ends. You know, it's a good tight end class. Everyone talks about how, you, you know, there could be starting caliber tight ends still in the second and third round, maybe even in the fourth. But Michael Mayer, I think by most accounts is, is considered, you know, yeah, does he have the ceiling of maybe some of these superstar tight ends? Maybe not, but his floor is super high. That The bust chances with him are pretty low. You, you pretty much know what you're getting there. And I just think Cowboys fans that are against it, maybe think a little too much of Jake Ferguson and think that he's just going to step in and then just pick up where Schultz left off. Where I think he could, but I also think that you need a little bit more help there. And, and Mayor comes in day one, and I, I think he, I think he starts immediately. Um, he's he's the pro type tight end, block. Uh, you know, like Mike McCarthy was saying, they want the Y type tight end that can. Line up on the line and block and, and, and run routes off that. But then also, you can line them out as a wide receiver. And Michael Mayer does all of that stuff. And so I think that's where it kind of makes the most sense because, you know, you're at 26, you're not going to get the best of the best. I mean, those guys are going to be picked over. Of course, you know, a lot of talk about Bijan Robinson. If he was to fall, of course, that's a no brainer. But chances are there's not going to be just this no brainer pick there. And, and, and really, to be honest with you, it's kind of funny that, you know, driving up to the star on Monday, like they finally have taken down. Any of the type of signage that had Ezekiel Elliott on it, and and they've replaced all of it, whether it's around the big screen outside of the star, or you know around the parking lots and stuff like that. But like the most, the two most prominent people that you see in terms of the signage around the outside of the star, by the shops and everything like that, is is really Micah Parsons and Dak Prescott. And I just think it's so interesting how we're going into you know starting the draft tomorrow, and you just look at the way they got Micah Parsons and Dak Prescott. Those are the two faces of the franchise. Micah Parsons, everything kind of in front of them, kind of exploded. They wanted to get one of these these corners, and then they were forced to trade back, and then they, they are like, well, we'll take Parsons. And now he's this face-of-the-franchise defender that, you know, they're probably going to make him the highest-paid defender within the next year or two. And then you have Dak Prescott, who they never wanted Dak over. They wanted Paxton Lynch. They wanted Connor Cook. And then it was yeah. kind of like, well, we need a quarterback. Let's take Dak. And then the other one that Stephen talked about the other day is Zach Martin. You were talking about how, like, you know, with the Johnny Manziel thing, that when they went on the clock in 2014, right before them, all three picks that they wanted all went boom, 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 one, two, three, right before them, and so they end up with Zach Martin. Like, Zach Martin, Dak Prescott, and Micah Parsons are the three best players they have in the organization, arguably, and they all came to them on situations that really didn't fall the way that they wanted to, and so when chaos kind of happens, it's kind of when the Cowboys have been at their best.
0: That is interesting. Uh, it, it's almost kind of like they need some things to go against them so they accidentally get it right. <laughs> so, uh, but you're right with quarterback. And, and of course, they think they, 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 they got it with Dak. And then with Romo, they, they get him off the street, and, and he ends up becoming uh, great for them. And uh, that was interesting what uh, Troy said, wasn't it, recently, about, the, about Dak having been the only guy since him – that is willing to make winning a Super Bowl like everything. I can't, I can't remember the exact wording, but I think some people took that as an obvious shot at Romo. And may, maybe that's what it was. I mean, Troy occasionally will hit you with a, uh, a quote that you're like, whoa. I mean, that's interesting. But, I mean, I think that's that was his compliment to Dak is he's got a willingness to talk about what's the most important thing, which is if you measure anything by Aikman, it was not about the numbers he put up; it was about the Super Bowl rings that he won. And of course, same thing with Roger. And Roger will tell you that he left one or two on the table. Um, I thought that was kind of—I uh, thought that was an interesting comment from uh, from Troy. And I it, and I think some people read into that also that it could be a little animosity toward Tony for um, making $17 million a year in broadcasting. Now, I bet Troy's up there closer to that now. But did did you find that to be kind of an interesting quote from uh, from Troy Aikman?
1: It was for sure. And, 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 yeah, everything you said, I agree with it. It is kind of interesting that he would say that. Obviously, the TV side comes into that. But I also think a little bit on, so I wasn't there you know, when, when you guys were at the beginning of, of Tony's career. So I was towards the back, you know, last four or five years. But then I've been here for all of Dax. And I would say one of the biggest differences from when I covered Tony to, like, Dak now is that I just think Dak goes out of his way to try and say the right thing. Whereas those last four or five years of Romo, I, I don't think Romo even cared about what he said to the media. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I would remember Romo would often, you know, let's say he talked on a Wednesday, he would he would get to his locker when there was probably, you know, eight to ten minutes left in locker room availability so that it was never, that session talking to him was never going to go too long, you know, because locker room was going to close and that was going to be, whereas Dak, well, Dak goes out of his way to, like, talk, you know, more to reporters and, and, and just, I, I just feel like he, he, he might care more about the outside perception than maybe Tony did at that time in his career, mm-hmm. whereas, like, Dak, I, I feel like he really works on trying to say the right thing, and it's really not just with, just the Super Bowls, it's it's everything. I mean, there's not really much. I always say that. I think he's a, a PR dream because you can throw something at him without giving him a heads up, and he's going to have a pretty decent answer. And, and and it doesn't have to just be about football. It can be off the field. It can be, you know, uh, you know, difficult situations that 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 happen that you know a lot of people might not want to talk about. Could be politically. Could be other things that are going on that you know you're going to go to the face of the Dallas Cowboys and ask. And it's very rare that you see him caught off guard. And so I think that that is kind of fed into the way when he talked about the Super Bowls and that. But, I mean, hey, he's aware. It isn't like he's some rookie or, you know, first- or second-year player. He's making big money. He knows that he's going to be ultimately judged by if, if he can win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys or not.
0: I wish you could have seen Tony in his first couple of years because when he wasn't playing, like, nobody cared more about, like, helping. I mean, he was the greatest asset i ever had you know because he was that was his way to actually participate a little bit more he wasn't getting to play any but sort of the ability to share some things that were going on in practice and everything tony was all about it and then of course before you knew it he's dating jessica simpson and carrie underwood and and all of those sorts of things
1: well hold on let me ask you let me ask you about that because you were around for all that yeah becoming a celebrity quarterback at that time changed or do you think it was the way it was received after he said after that loss to the eagles because a lot of people say that that's when he changed was when he got the the reaction off of everyone when he said you know if this is the worst thing that ever happens to me a lot of people say that he changed after that
0: well i i don't think he was prepared for the blowback and he'd been such a fun story and then he got hammered for it and he wasn't ready for it um but but he always kind of had the cavalier, um, and it just, it, it just, he used to. I, always I give him a hard time about it, but he would always like call people, even in, like in his second year when he wasn't playing, he would like say of a rookie, "Oh, he's a good kid" or something like that. I'd be like, "Dude, that dude's like a, a year younger than you. What are you calling people kids for?" And so he, he was kind of had a little bit of, you know, I don't know. He even watching him when he was single. What was funny is. He changed in that, like, I used to see him and be out. I was married, and my wife would be with us, and we would see him, and we would be out with him, and it would be hilarious to see him get shot down, and he could not pick up a girl. I mean, he could not. He had no game, and he became the starter, and we would tell him, why don't you tell people that you're the Cowboys quarterback? Like, that would help. That would help you, and he, and he was wearing these horrible jackets and, and, he, and he was striking out left and right, and that's why it was so funny for him in 2007 to be connected to all these starlets, you know, Jessica and uh, and Carrie Underwood and all of that going on. But uh, I I don't know. That's a, boy. That's a fun. That's an interesting question. Like when did he change? I mean, in a sense, you say you, some people like Witten or uh, I'm thinking about Justin Tuck. Uh, guys like Brent Selleck with the uh, Eagles, even when they got kind of famous and good, they literally they were the exact same person. And he just, I don't know, I don't think he thought he could be anymore. He he went from overnight to everybody wanting something from him, uh, including all of us and the reporters and everything. And and he he didn't know his only way of dealing with it was to kind of become. A little bit aloof, or only talk to people who praised and hung on his every word. John, is that more than you wanted on that?
1: <laughs> no, it's good. I think it's good stuff because there, it is interesting. <laughs> Stephen Stephen mentioned the other day when when, it, when he was asked about the trading up and how they haven't traded up in the first round since Mo Claiborne. And, you know, he brought up the whole thing about how. He's like, well, generally teams, when they are trading up, especially high in the first round, it's because they're going to get a quarterback. And we haven't had to do that recently because they got Dak in the fourth round. They got Romo. And it is interesting because, you know, for Troy, he's the first pick overall in the draft. Everybody knew he was the man. And so I bet you that there's not much changing in the way that he would carry himself. Whereas with Tony and Dak, they went from positions where we saw him you know, you saw Tony in the beginning, I saw Dak in the beginning, where it was like, Nobody, I mean, they would just sit in the locker room because there isn't any reason, like, well, we don't really need to talk to, like, the second or third string quarterback or whatever, but how quickly that can change when you become the franchise quarterback, you know. I can see how, for some guys, it's, it's hard to not change a little bit because you are getting pulled in so many directions when you are the quarterback yeah. of the Dallas Cowboys and, and, and a franchise quarterback that's getting paid amongst the highest-paid players in the league.
0: The, the, the angriest he ever got with me was when Flacco won the Super Bowl – and Flacco got paid huge. You remember it was like $56 million guaranteed yeah. or something like that. And I wrote something for Fox saying Tony was going to get that and how crazy that was that with no playoff wins and all of that, that Tony was going to get that. And, and, you know, Flacco had just won a Super Bowl. And, boy, that you talk about an ender with our relationship, at least for a while, he did not react well to that one. Uh, that put that put the kibosh on things. But uh, anyway, it happens. It happens. But uh, well, listen, John. It was uh, this was fun. I hope you could hear the jazz ensemble in the back. They've all come back since we had the tornado warning. It's beautiful. Uh, they got sacks and uh, everything. So it's I think it's something you would really enjoy.
1: I'm just happy you're staying safe out there. <laughs>
0: Very safe. Very safe. All right. Have a great draft, and let's stay in contact, okay?
1: That sounds good.
0: And I'm glad you still have the blue check mark, okay? I'll talk to you later.
1: <laughs> I'll
0: see you. There he goes. John Machoda on the uh, Matt Mosley show, ESPN Central Texas.